You are listening to This World of Humans, a science podcast focusing on the interface of biology and social science, coming to you from the podcast recording studio at John Jay College in New York City. For more information about today's topic, visit visionlearning.com slash T-W-O-H. You ready, Sam? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hello, and welcome to This World of Humans. I'm your host, Nathan Lentz. Your producer is Sam Anderson. And today, we're going to talk about drug addiction and a new study that reveals that the amino acid taurine, a common ingredient in energy drinks, may actually help overcome or counteract the effect of addiction on the brain. Uh, now, energy drinks represent a huge chunk of the beverage industry. Something like 6 billion cans of Red Bull were sold in uh, 2015, and I'm sure the market has only grown since then. Uh, convenience store displays are dominated by Five Hour Energy, Monster, Red Bull, other ones in there. Um, but the discussion on the health effects of these drinks seems to have come down on the side that they're bad for us, and in some cases even dangerous. Uh, so that's that's where we are with, with with the health talks. What's bad about them? Well, so most of the acute uh, ill effects are linked to the very concentrated dose of caffeine. So you're getting a huge jolt of caffeine, and that's what leads to that boost in energy. Uh, you know, that people are going for. But that can lead to heart palpitations, anxiety, jitteriness, uh, panic attacks, headaches, and even, of course, insomnia. If you're not careful, you're not going to sleep right. Uh, in fact, you can even actually become addicted to these drinks uh, the way that coffee addicts are. I'm certainly addicted to coffee myself. Uh, but you end up needing larger and larger amounts to get that same effect that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And how does this compare to, like, regular soda? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I think the answer seems to be the same, but more so. Uh, mm-hmm. They have more caffeine, and many of them are really, really high in sugar. And large doses of refined sugar, are we know, are just really bad for us. We, that's one thing about uh, nutritional science that we're, becomes seems to be really clear, is large doses of uh, sugar can lead to type 2 diabetes, ob- obesity, and weight gain. Um, sugar is, is just very addictive. And you get these large swings in blood glucose that lead us to feel hungry, even when we're well-fed and, and, and all of that. So what's this about taurine? Well, taurine is an amino acid, uh, which are the building blocks of proteins, but it's not one of the common ones that is used to make proteins in our bodies. Uh, instead, it's been discovered that it has some certain effects in the brain. We're still working a lot of that out. Uh, taurine is present in our food, in a lot of our food. So uh, it's highest in, in meat and seafood. Um, it doesn't appear to be particularly dangerous, even at the high doses uh, that we find in, in energy drinks. Um, so why do they add it to the energy drinks? So the research is pretty sparse and very mixed, uh, but some studies have found that it sustains mental and physical endurance. And I think that's the, the, what we're going for in, the, in, these, in these drinks, um, especially in the context of exercise and sports. People find that it does give them a little bit of energy. Um, and, but the newest research has been actually exploring a sort of a neuroprotective effect uh, in the brain against neurotoxins. So it sort of protects us a little bit against some of the damaging uh, effects of toxins and drugs. And I'm hoping our guest today will will help shed some light on that. All right, let's bring her on. Yeah, let's do that. So joining us today is Dr. Kalidis Salas-Ramirez, and she is an assistant medical professor at the CUNY School of Medicine uh, here at City College of New York. So that's one of our sister schools, go CUNY. Um, and Dr. Salas has been working on behavior and addiction in rats for some time, and she has new work on the effects of taurine on addiction. So we're very happy to have here with us to help sort this out. Welcome, Dr. Salas. Thank you, Dr. Lentz. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so tell us, what got you thinking about working with taurine? So interestingly enough, there were several senior faculty in my department that had been looking at taurine in terms of the biochemical release once there was a chronic exposure to cocaine. Um, and taurine, if you do like either a PubMed search or a search in 
grants within the NIH, taurine comes up as like a standard amino acid that gets increased when the brain is exposed to cocaine. Wait, so and you're saying release of taurine, so in the brain. In the brain. So this is the endogenous taurine, meaning the yes. from our body, not yes. not from the outside. Okay, Correct. So, so, so taurine gets released taurine, when we're exposed to cocaine. Yes. Okay. And so taurine is actually synthesized and released by glial cells in the brain. Uh, um, and you said glial cells in the brain. Now, for our listeners that don't know, these are supportive cells uh, in the central nervous system. So they're not the neurons that generate the, the impulses and the parts of the brain that talk to each other, but... They're there to support all those neurons, right? Yep. And they even outnumber the neurons, I believe. Absolutely. Oh. And so, uh, so their role is to make sure that there's no toxicity, to make sure that there are neurotransmitters and neuropeptides that are broken down and to scavenge them. If there are, if there's necrotic tissue, um, the glial cells will be the one to support the brain. Okay. So the fact that these glial cells are producing taurine um, there has been some data to show that taurine is neuroprotective, particularly in an aged brain. So there's very little or no research looking at the developmental effects of taurine. Mm -hmm. um, and that's some also some work that we're doing in my lab where we're looking at the developmental effects of taurine on cognition and emotion so, as well as cocaine. So that would be with young exposure. young rats in this Adolescent case. rats, and which is the predominant population that's using energy drinks. Right. Since you just mentioned them, yeah. So... Uh, what do we know about the effects of taurine on the brain so far? So in terms of research, uh, we have that an aged brain, again, um, uses taurine as neuroprotectant as well as a neurotrophic factor. So it has the capacity to increase neurogenesis in neurogenesis. the brain. Neurogenesis. Now, it's, you said neuroprotective. It's an antioxidant, I believe. Mm -hmm. is, it, do you, is the neuroprotection... Do you think through that action of being a, an antioxidant or is it more signaling somehow? It's signaling. It seems to be through okay. signaling pathways that oh, not just increase the number of cells, but also reduce the amount of cells that die. In All right. Brain. So this sounds like a good thing. So we, we, yeah. we, would, we talked about the, the uh, dangers of energy drinks, yeah. but at least taurine, this one little part of it, might have some interesting properties that we want to yes. follow up on. There have been some studies that have shown that it works on um, Alzheimer's models, animal models. With the increase of with taking taurine increases neurogenesis and restores cognitive function. Is in this these in models. females and males or just the females the, again? So a lot of people aren't explicitly talking about sex differences. I'm the only one. Oh, that's I see. So it's just a group. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. You might want to write them and see if they could break yeah. down their data and, and yeah, interesting. Okay. Definitely. All right. Well, so in the study that we're going to talk about today it is about addiction, uh, but we're talking about rats. So let's start basic with the methods. How do you get a rat addicted to cocaine? <laughs> so um, my model in in our lab, we don't have... So the traditional model for addiction is to get the rodents to self-administer the cocaine. Mm -hmm. And that is that is possible by using an operant conditioning chamber. And you basically train the rat... To push to, a lever. To push a lever or to nose poke. And then you either, you put a catheter either in their jugular vein or it could go directly into their brain. Um, and they get a hit and they feel the high. Right, right. And um, they like that, so they come back they to They like it, they do it, they train readily. We are looking at, I first wanted to look at whether taurine had the capacity to inhibit cocaine reward. And so that's a different model. Um, so we're not, our, my rodents are not addicted. They've been exposed to cocaine mm -hmm. and trained to associate in a, a specific environment to cocaine, right? So I expose them to cocaine um, and then I put them in a chamber and they learn that this chamber, when they're in this chamber, they feel good. It's this, almost okay. like you're at a party and you take ecstasy at a party 
you always want to go back to the parties where you got ecstasy because that's where you felt good. Okay, so right. they they learn they associate this room or I should say chamber with yeah. with not with cocaine itself, but with the feeling they get. So. With the well, exactly. So, so they you sort give of get them, addicted to the room. <laughs> they get addicted to the room <laughs> or, because or, of the feeling okay. that this rewarding stimulus has given them. Okay. Right before they're at the room, so you you make that association. Got it. And um, you're pre-treating with taurine or co-treating. So in rodents, taurine is not a pseudoessential amino acid. Oh, okay. Um, and so they so have no use for it. They really they produce it. It's around, but it's not. It, you in order for it to have any sort of effect in the brain and to cross the blood-brain barrier, we have to treat animals for at least two weeks. Okay. And so in order for me to have a comparable concentration of what the human brain would respond to, I had to treat, pre-treat for two weeks. Okay. Yeah. I was going to so, ask about those. Yeah. So you were okay. giving them extra taurine? So I was giving them taurine before we actually exposed them either to, to, to the behavioral paradigm. So it's two weeks? Uh, two weeks. Daily? Hourly? Daily. And the dose is comparable to what an energy drink user would use. So I okay. did try to match the doses. Um, energy drinks tend to have 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams. Um, and so if, uh, based on body weight, we did all the calculations. Okay. And so the dose comes out to being 100 milligrams. I'm picturing like a really tiny rat-sized can of Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, so tell us what happened then in this study. So you, you have them... On the taurine, some some uh, rats will be getting the taurine. Some will be getting a control. I assume yep. it's saline yep. as a control. So you're still injecting them. You're treating them the same mm-hmm. way. They don't know who's got taurine and who's got <laughs> saline. And then what happens? And then after that, what we do is that we expose them to this uh, behavioral test called condition place preference, which is where the that moment is when we train them to create this association to a chamber that they've paired with cocaine. Now we had several groups. Um, one of my questions was, okay, does a taurine just have to be on board before and it can be protective um, with just the exposure of cocaine? Do we have to keep on giving them taurine? Like will taurine only be protective if they get it exogenously? Um, and then I also, with this question of energy drinks, I also wanted to know, is taurine addictive? Mm-hmm. And so do they also establish that pairing of this of this chamber when they get the taurine injection. Um, And so we had three different experimental groups and then our control group was the one that got pre-treated with saline and then just exposed to taurine. And so we knew that that group had to establish the preference with the chamber that we paired with cocaine. If not, we were doing something wrong. <laughs> right, right. Um, and then so that's the rest. Your positive control. That's our positive control. And then the rest, we would we would measure how much time they spent. They get to explore three different chambers mm-hmm. um, after after the training. And so then we measure the amount of time they spend in the paired chamber versus the unpaired chamber where they just received a saline injection before being in that space. Got it. Okay. And what difference did you see or not see? So we first started, we wanted to look at sex differences. So we wanted to see the difference between the male brain and the female brain. Male brain was pretty straightforward. The, the male animals, um, they were protected by taurine, independent of whatever group it was. So the control group established the preference to the cocaine paired chamber. And then the other three groups that were pre-treated with taurine, whether they were treated um, with just cocaine at the time of training, with both cocaine and taurine, or taurine alone, they didn't show a clear preference in either chamber, which means they didn't establish a chamber to, uh, preference to any environment, which means cocaine, supp- I'm cocaine, sorry, <laughs> taurine suppressed um, that preference or that reward response. 
Um, so it was almost like they weren't getting addicted. It's like they weren't feeling the reward. So if you don't feel reward, you won't get addicted. Right. Right. Because okay. the whole role of any drug of abuse or any um, any drug um, is to make you feel reward. Right. And that's because so there, become... there's a reward center in the brain where yeah. you get release of do- either dopamine, serotonin, or both. If yes. I'm, if I'm remembering my addiction both. Uh, class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that makes us feel good. In fact, that uh, that's us... what normally happens when we yes. feel good. You know, you win a game of yeah. poker or you go kiss someone jug. you like. Go kiss yeah. someone, <laughs> yeah. have sex, eat a, drink a cold glass of water yeah. in a really hot day. Yeah. That will increase dopamine in your brain. <laughs> right. And this reward center, of course, its function is to drive us to do these behaviors. Right. right? So evolution has, this is sort of the solution that right. evolution's come up with to drive us to do things that Absolutely. are good for us yes. normally. Yes. <laughs> um, but the problem is, of course, it gets tripped yeah. uh, by other drugs, which totally are not Totally hijacked us. by yeah. anything that we find rewarding. And so that can look different in different people. Sure. Um, people can get addicted to a bad relationship. Exactly. It's an example I often use is because they get that dopamine or serotonin when, yeah. they're, when they're together with that person. Yes. And, just like a drug, that person may not be good for them, yep. but they still get addicted. And I always, and so then again, you go back to these developmental differences. I tell my students all the time, like when you're 14, 15, 16, and the person that you like, you don't even have to have a relationship with them, that mm-hmm. you like doesn't come to school. You're like, where are they? What's going on? Mm-hmm. I need to text mm-hmm. them. Let's figure it out. Yeah. And then as soon as they walk back in, we have this like physiological response to them. I'm like, come back to me when you're 35. Let yeah. me know how you're feeling. <laughs> and like, if Romeo and Juliet would have been written when they were 35, they would have been like, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. You know, I gotta, I'm gotta. i going to have this family over here. I'm not going to kill myself right now. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Oh, well, you know, I'm in love with you, but I have a thing. Yeah. I'm busy on Thursday. Yeah. That's a 30-something this, version of this. This partnership is not going to work for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, but and that's really relevant to what we're studying on Taurine, too, yeah. right? Because so if the reward is so much more potent in yeah. young people, yeah, um, potentially taurine could be helping that could, could be preventing them from doing reward seeking behavior around drugs potentially, or enhancing it, or enhancing it. Right. <laughs> so, pro- yeah, is it really just the reward that we're getting after using drugs? Like these rats who are not experiencing the reward phenomenon, they're not feeling any sort of high from the cocaine at all. They could have at the time, um, they could have felt a little bit, but not enough to convert the brain hmm. from like a non-addicted to an addicted brain. Yeah, so uh, this is what <laughs> I want to talk about. So uh, in addition to, uh, you looked at just differences between male and females, you yeah. also you also performed um, gonadectomies, so on, yes. uh, removing the testes or the ovaries. Yeah. Um, so tell us about those experiments. Yeah, so again, with this hypothesis that um, taurine is actually changing or causing conformational changes in these receptors that are also responsive to different hormones. We wanted to take away the hormones to see if it had any sort of effect. Um, in males, it uh, the protective effects of taurine were hormone independent. So whether testosterone is on board or not, it works. Uh, it reduces, um, it inhibits that reward response to So it to still cocaine. made them less less driven for the cocaine and absolutely okay. but in the females in the females it's a very different story so um when you have intact females that story is also a little messy right so um females intact females that have not seen taurine um find are, are create establish that preference to cocaine 
females. So that we had three groups that were pre-treated with, with taurine. If you are trained um, to establish or with, a, with the co-administration of cocaine and taurine, that enhances the preference to the cocaine pair chamber. If you just get the pretreatment with taurine and only train with cocaine, it is protective from the rewarding effects of cocaine. Mm. Taurine is. However, it was our only group in this study um, when they're intact where we see a preference towards taurine. Um, and that was a little like, hmm. oh my goodness, females have a preference towards taurine. <laughs> Independent of the cocaine. Independent of the cocaine. Okay. Um, and so it took us back to one of our first studies where we were looking at the, the cognitive effects of taurine on the female brain. And I'm like, all right, this is when I started thinking about like menopausal women potentially finding taurine, not just as a cognitive enhancer. We had data also to show that it was an antidepressant. And now on top of that, like taurine is rewarding. Hey, <laughs> right. like, are we going to fix all the wrongs in the menopausal female brain? Yeah. And I'm looking at the data itself here. Yeah. So for our listeners, you can you'll have access to this paper if you go to our website and uh, become an authenticated user so we can you know verify who you are. Um, we can actually give access to journal articles, including this one. Um, when it becomes available, um, you, you know, we can give you access. You can see the data for yourself. And I'm looking and the, the biggest difference I see in all of your data uh, is in the females who, who have been over, who have had an overectomy mm -hmm. and their preference, uh, the preference difference, I should say, yeah. uh, between those who have been paired and those who haven't been paired. Yeah. So is it lower or higher? It's a much bigger much difference. Higher. Looks like it's the bigger difference. I yeah. can the biggest difference in all the data is in the yeah. females who don't have ovaries, so they don't have estrogen, right. at least not high levels of estrogen. Yeah. But they're female, so yes. they're, uh, it's it's not like they're looking like males yeah. just because you remove the estrogen. Interesting. So I want to talk a little bit about that too because that the reward response to cocaine is very dependent on estrogen, right? And so there's actually um, Marilyn Carroll's group in Wisconsin. Uh, Minnesota, sorry. Um, she's actually been looking at progesterone as a treatment for cocaine addiction in women because women tend to use less cocaine and seem to be more protected after ovulation. Um, when we have our menstrual cycles are we have the presence of progesterone is much higher than estrogen in the second half of the month. In the second, yeah. Yes. So after post ovulation, progesterone mm -hmm. comes up, and that's when women are less sensitive to addictions. Is that less set, less likely to take cocaine? And okay. so it seems like progesterone is is protective, okay. whereas with estrogen, they intake more cocaine. Um, and so uh, she's doing clinical trials currently. Um, she's done work with rodents. Uh, monkeys and mm -hmm. humans where they're looking at progesterone um, as a treatment for cocaine addiction. Well, I encourage our listeners to check out the, the article because there's the, the data is actually fairly simple to understand, yeah. even though the experimental setup is complicated. But yeah. once you sort of get yourself accustomed to what the experiment is, the yeah. data is pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, and this isn't published yet. No, it's on its way. It's, it's been way. it's been presented at several um, national and international conferences. We're currently it's currently being revised. <laughs> so it's, it's, okay, so you're yeah. gonna revise and resubmit yeah. sort of mode. Okay, mm -hmm. well soon it'll be uh, yes. published and uh, it'll be available to everyone. Yeah. Uh, but our our listeners can take a sneak peek. Um. So 
let me uh, uh, let's do some implications and conclusions of this. So yeah. I don't know if you have any teenage children, but what w- would you advise teenage children or even young adults, twenty ones, stay away from taurine until we know more? Um, taurine directly, teenagers are less likely to do that. Um, you would have to seek it out at like the vitamin store, right? Right. Yes, but it is in really high concentrations and energy drinks. Yes. So I do definitely. Um, say that we need to be careful. We need to be careful about um, the consumption of energy energy drinks um, in adolescents. We have done a preliminary study uh, in adolescent males. We haven't done the females um, where we saw that adolescent males, independent of pre-treatment, co-administration, or even touring administration, um, they actually established a preference to the cocaine pair chamber under every single circumstance. Mm-hmm. And they also find touring rewarding. Um, and so that for me, it was like, oh, my God. It's a slippery <laughs> um, slope. It right. is a very slippery slope. Um, again, and also with the data when we looked at the compounds found in energy drinks and we saw that males were particularly vulnerable to the effects of taurine where they showed deficit, cognitive deficits. Um, my concern is we have a lot of kids also that are not just consuming energy drinks that are also being prescribed yeah psychomotor drugs right um and so you have a kid that may have attention deficit disorder or some other um mental health issue and now you have this dynamic interaction between these compounds and these prescription drugs that could lead to even more pathology later on and so that's that's kind of where I'm like, oh, yeah, we need, really need to figure this out developmentally and also, again, parse out these sex differences. Benefits is that if that if taurine is working in an d- adult population and it can be preventative against addictions or neuroprotective against addictions or somebody has already become addicted, then taurine can be used as a drug during that rehabilitation phase. Yeah, I was it's wondering. natural, right? Yeah, I was wondering exactly that. Like maybe yeah. in rehab centers, they might yes. want to think about that yeah. as uh, at least getting you through some of the worst parts of the withdrawal. Absolutely. Okay, well, this has been a very interesting discussion. Thank you so much, Dr. Salas Ramirez. She's from the CUNY School of Medicine at City College. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for the invite. And thanks for listening. Have a great week. This has been another episode of This World of Humans, a podcast and science education initiative currently supported by Vision Learning and the PSC CUNY Research Award Program at the City University of New York. Science educators, don't forget to check out our website for a wealth of resources to help integrate this episode and its featured article into your science classroom. Find us at visionlearning.com slash TWOH.